sing that one more time. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. presence. How many here this morning would say, Lord, lead me. I'll follow. Lord, I will go. No matter the cost, no matter the request, Lord, I just want to lay it all down this morning. Regardless of how long maybe we've been walking this road, whether it's been one week or it's been 40 years, however long it's been, oh, that ought to be the, the heart of the Christian believer this morning to say, Lord Jesus, lead me. I need to be led, Lord. You're the chief shepherd. Uh, show me things in your word. I need more revelation, Lord Jesus. I'm here this morning, Lord, because I have needs in my life. I have need of greater revelation, Lord. Oh, quicken your word to me this morning. Oh, my, let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, how we love you and we thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord. Just to think that you paid the price that we could never pay. When you stretched forth your arms there on Calvary and you said it is finished, Lord. You paid the penalty for our sin, Lord. When we should have been the one there, Lord, you loved us. We're in this great love, Lord, that you've showed to us. And we just want to tell you that we love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We just want to surrender our thoughts and our ideas, Lord, and just lay it all down at your feet this morning and ask that you would come now, Lord. That you would break the bread of life as only you can, Lord. We just surrender ourselves to you now, God. We just pray a blessing upon our precious brother Tim and brother Timothy and sister Ruth as they're away, that you would be their portion, Lord God. May your angels just be encamped about them to keep them safe on the roads, Lord. We just pray a special blessing upon your people that have come to the house of God and those that haven't been able to make it. Maybe many are online streaming, Lord. We pray that you'd be their portion now. We ask all these blessings in your name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. My, if you just want to grab your Bibles, we'll be reading out of 1 John chapter 4 as you're doing that. We just want to bring you greetings from our pastor, Brother David McGeary, in Bedford, Texas at Christian Life Tabernacle and the saints there. We certainly love each of you and just hold you dear to our hearts. And, and also, we, we just are humbled by the invitation by Brother Tim uh, just to be able to serve in his absence and stand before you. It's, uh, we don't take it lightly. Uh, but it's a great responsibility to stand before the redeemed purchased of Almighty God. You're special. You're the ones He died for. You are His victory. You're the proof of His resurrection. You're the proof of the message. Oh, when you hear words like that, you, you are His victory. Well, behold, I send you Elijah. There had to be a you to receive the message of Elijah. And the very proof of the message that Elijah brought is the ones that have received it. Come on. The ones that are standing here this morning in the face of all opposition and declaring that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, my, what a blessed people we are. Amen. My, praise the Lord. Amen. Just maybe in settling myself just to tell you that 
uh, we, we've come to uh, know Brother Tim and the family and just hold them uh, uh, really dear to our hearts. We started to serve the Lord in, in December of 1999. And from that time, we would come over to be in fellowship with the saints here and Brother Tim. And, and my, uh, I, I cherish the, uh, some of those early years. I'd come over and Brother Tim would take me to some goat shows so his goats could show this little city boy around the arena. And, uh, you know, some of his prized goats received best of show for, for uh, showing a little city boy what it was like to, 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 to go into a goat show and into the country. And I just look back on those little times of fellowship we had and, and how much they meant to me down through the ages and down through the time. And you look back and you reflect on it and my life seems to get busy and, and you get a family and, and you don't maybe have the, the, the ability to travel or, or take the time out like you used to, but my, you certainly cherish those. And so we're just so thankful to be here. We're just reading out of John, uh, 1 John chapter 4 and be reading to you uh, verse uh, 1 through 4 out of 1 John 4 verses 1 through 4. And it reads here, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whither they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. And let's also just read out of Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father and his throne. Amen. You may be seated. We ask a blessing upon the reading of the word. Brother Branham would take this, these texts, these scriptures... And he would preach the message called, How Can I Overcome? And my, what a, what a statement. How can I overcome? I mean, when you read the title, there's something in my heart that says, Lord, I want to overcome. How can I overcome? And I think this is very profound here as the prophet would read these texts. And he would say, I want to take my subject this morning of this. How can I overcome? Now, I chose this because that I think it's a time that we should never let the spirit of revival die. We've got to keep in revival, constantly revived every day. Paul said he had to die daily that Christ could live. And we must never let the revival die within us. Oh my, here, here's the question. How can I overcome I mean, that's a good question concerning the day and age that we're living in. Right. You know, the, the pressure of the age, right. the nervous tension, right. the always uh, reaching for riches. Enough is never enough. 
Oh my, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It seems like there's just a a constant pressure to do more, to have more, uh, to go more places. And and, and my, you could even uh, maybe have nice things and you could have a nice car and a nice career. But my, it just seems like there's a a pressure on the age and a nervous tension that's that's always a a pressure in you to to have more and to do more. And, And listen to what the prophet is saying here. He says, we've got to keep in revival Constantly revived every day. Constantly revived every day. So not just Sunday. Not just Wednesday. Not during the special services. But every day we got to be constantly revived. Because God is wanting to have fellowship with you. God is wanting to have communion with you now. And it's not just in the Sunday service. It's not just in the Wednesday service. But oh, we got to stay constantly revived. We got to be in a relationship, constantly walking with the Lord in a revival. Now maybe God did something for you maybe on a Saturday night and God came by and touched you and he did something specific for you there. But as I thought about that, you know, there came a time that I'd given a promise to my wife and, uh, and I said, I'm, I'm going to come to Ohio and I'm going to marry you. And it happened to be on a Saturday where we went before the altar, we made our vows and we were married. But you know what? I didn't leave her at the altar. It was a Saturday, but I came there with a purpose and I came there to marry her because I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And I want to tell you, when God comes by your way and he touches you in a specific way, and maybe it was on a Friday night, maybe it was on a Saturday night, maybe it'll be in a Sunday morning service, God is not touching you to leave you there at the altar, but God is wanting to become one flesh with you. He's wanting you to be bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, life of his life, and power of his power. God means business. He didn't come to just touch you and and be a one-time thing. But God has a purpose that he is wanting to do in your life. And he's wanting to live with you. He's wanting to be in communion with you. He's wanting you to be lived constantly in revival every single day. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll be with you. Even in you until the end of the world, the prophet would say something along these lines that God pouring his spirit out into you. He said not just one baptism, not one little baptism, but baptism after baptism. He said not a revelation of justification, not a revelation of sanctification, not a revelation of the pouring out of the gifts and the pouring out of the spirit, but he said revelation after revelation and power after power and glory after glory. That is what God is wanting to enter in with you is a relationship where he's constantly every day revealing himself to you and speaking to you, lifting you up, guiding you. Oh, that's the kind of relationship that God is wanting to have with his bride here in the end time. Oh, it's not just for the Sunday night service. It's not just for the Wednesday night service. It's not just for the camp meetings. But God is wanting to live in a union with you every single day. Oh, that you can feel his presence. That you can feel the power of God. And then it be so real for you. You might go through some times. You might go through some dry spells where you don't feel him. You don't know that uh, you can't feel his presence. But something
something has happened. Something has been quickened. There is a seed that has come alive. And in the face of all adversary, in the face of the enemy, when it seems like everything is going wrong and all hell is breaking loose, you can stand right there in the face of the enemy and say, I know my Redeemer living. Why, I met him. He came to me. He revealed himself to me. Oh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. The prophet goes on to say here, and how can I overcome? So if we are trying to follow the message of the hour, or at least this part of the message, we should live constantly in the life of Christ. See, because if you don't, you lay around and know that these things that you're supposed to do, and you don't do it. Oh, now the Lord's talking to somebody. If he ain't talking to you, he's talking to me. He says, we should live constantly in the life of Christ. See, because if you don't, you lay around and know that these things that you're supposed to do and don't do it. The Bible said that he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Then you become doty, rotten, and you're separated from the life of God. So strive with all that's in you to stay in the life of Christ that you would be fruit bearing. Now we wonder why many times in our life we're not bearing the fruits of Christ. is because we're not doing the things that we know we should do. Oh, that's pretty simple, Brother Matthew. Yes, and it's a simple truth that we need to take to heart. And be obedient to the word of God. And there's things that the pastor and the ministry here will deal with. And they'll preach that over and over. And you'll hear those things. And maybe you'll adhere to do it one time or two times. Or you do good for a week or two weeks or maybe three months. But God is wanting to call you to more than that. He's wanting to call you into a life as an overcomer. Where those things are dead to you. They don't tempt you anymore. And if they do tempt you, you don't let that thought roost there in your mind. But you look to the word that you might have the victory over it. Oh my, and maybe God is going to work in your life. And and maybe the things of the world, they don't have a pull on you. But you know, it it can be in the simple things where, where God is calling us to a life of prayer. And we know that God has told you over and over that you just feel like in your heart, you know, I need to get up early in the morning and I need to spend at least 30, 45 minutes reading my Bible and being in prayer in the presence of God that I could just start out my day in a sweet communion with the Lord. And you know that the Lord has been dealing with you in those things. And you wonder why you've been in frustration. You wonder why the atmosphere in your home hasn't been just quite, quite right. And you wonder why you're not bearing the fruits in your life that you should be bearing. It could be simply that God is just wanting you to be obedient to that still small voice that is calling you into prayer or calling you to in a fellowship. And you know to do those things. Oh, Brother Matthew, this doesn't sound like some big deep revelation. Well, if we're not being faithful to the little things, just like the prophet always said, how in the world am I going to teach you algebra if you won't learn your ABCs? Oh my, we live in an age of such pressure and demand on the flesh and the time that we're living in. I wonder if we were to calculate it all up and if we were to add it, 
How many times you're on the internet versus how many hours you spend in prayer? How many times are you looking at these other things of the world? And I'm not even saying they have to be sin. It, it could be talking to friends. It could be talking to loved ones. It, it, it could be shopping. It could be uh, looking to buy things. You know, there's so much in this world now to entertain you. There's so much in you to build your portfolio and to pin this here and to like this and to follow this. And you find out that if you're not careful, you're on some of these social media platforms and you know what everybody else is doing. But you don't even know what the Lord God is doing in your own life. I know where so-and-so is. I know where they're on vacation. I know where they went to. Oh, I know about those church meetings over there. And then you find out that in your own life, you're not bearing the fruits of Christ because so you're so involved with everybody else's life. And now the word of the Lord is coming and telling you that you've got to constantly remain in the life of Christ, constantly being in revival. Oh, God, help us to be faithful in these little things. We're talking about being an overcomer. Oh, because if you just lay around and you don't do these things, you become doty. You become rotten. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a position or making a decision or something like that. And you wonder, like, how did I even get here? I thought I was past this. I thought I was beyond this. And oh, then the devil starts to heap on that, that condemnation and that conviction onto your life because you start to question Oh, do I really have it? You start to question your experience with God because, oh, what, what did the prophet say? The devil has a punch coming. And if we're not guarding ourselves, well, how do you guard yourself, Brother Matthew? Oh, you guard yourself by the word of God, being by, obedient to the word of God, staying in prayer, staying in fellowship, staying in the word. Oh, Paul would say it like this. He'd say, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh, church, we need to get in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh, the prophet of God said, when you get in the spirit, then you see the vision. I was like, well, you see the vision. What are you talking about? Well, the prophet said that the vision is the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord comes to the prophet. Therefore, this message is the very vision for your life. The word says where there is no vision, the people perish. God has not left you without a vision. God has not left you without a purpose. God hasn't left the bride here wondering what's going on or what's going to happen. Where did I come from? Where did I go? But God has revealed the whole secret purpose of his mind to the bride of Jesus Christ. And she knows where she's standing. She has the mind of God. She has thus saith the Lord or she stands still. Come on now. Oh, we're talking about being overcomers, about living in the spirit. The prophet would say that overcome means to recognize the devil and every single one of his tricks. But he didn't leave it there. There's a lot of people that can recognize the devil. They can recognize the sign and times that we're living in. They can look out there and and see the political scene and the sickness and everything that's in the land. And they can recognize the devil is on a tear. Well, they can point it out and look at how uh, corrupt everything is. But he said, and overcome means to recognize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
So yes, you might recognize the devil and all of his tricks, but we got to recognize and have a revelation to know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The prophet would go on to say this. We see this age that we're living in. It's one of the grandest ages of all ages. This lady you'll see a church age is the grandest of all the church ages because it's the ending of time and the blending of eternity. And then it's the greatest sinful age. It's more sin in this age than there's ever been. Well, I'm not going to debate that, nor would I ever debate with the prophet. Not to go on a tangent, but it's funny how some people can. It's more sin in this age than there ever been. And the powers of Satan is many times harder to fight against than it was in any age. Now, we're looking at our text here. It says, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame. Well, to be an overcomer, you have to have something to overcome. To be an overcomer, you have to have something to overcome. And here the prophet is showing us that the age that we're living in, there's never been an age with more sin. There's never been an age that has had such darkness upon it. He said the the power of Satan is harder to fight against than it was in any age that there ever was. Oh my, it makes me think of the the prophet Isaiah there in uh, uh, chapter 61 verse 2 and he's saying gross darkness upon the land and gross darkness upon the people. The prophet would pick that up and say that is a prophecy concerning the day and age that we're living in and he would tie that scripture there in the beginning of how the world laid there in darkness and chaos. He said the earth was without form and it was without void. But oh, underneath all of that chaos, underneath all of that darkness that was laying there, there was a spoken word seed that was laying there and something had to transpire in the midst of all of that darkness for the seed and that life that was laying there on the bottom of all of that chaos and all of that darkness and the scripture would read like this. It would say uh, uh, that in the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. Oh, I say, oh God, may the Spirit of God move upon me. Move upon my life. Move upon my chaos. Move upon my family. Move upon my friends. Move upon my family, Lord. Move upon my day from waking to ending, Lord. I want to constantly live in revival. Oh God, may your Spirit move upon me. Oh, we see all the darkness. We see all the chaos out there. But in that same scripture, what does it say? Arise and shine for thy light has come. It says gross darkness upon the land and gross darkness upon the people. But the prophet ties that together with Ezekiel or Zechariah 14. He says that in the evening time. Oh, there's going to be a day. That's neither day or night. He said it's because of the presence of the darkness. And the presence.
presence of the light that makes it a day that's neither day or night. But he said, in the evening time, oh, it shall be light. You don't have to worry and fret because of the condition of the world. You don't have to worry about these uh, diseases and things that are going through the world. You don't have to be sitting there and wondering about your job. Am I ever going to be able to pay my bills? Am I ever going to be able to afford this or afford that? You're allowing the nervous tension of the age to press in upon you. But there is a message that is shining the gospel light that's saying, arise and shine you are not called to be part of the darkness you are not called to be part of Laodicea but God has called you out of the darkness he has called you to life the message of the hour has come to quicken that seed inside of you and bring you forth to life oh thank God that the gospel light is shining in it's full strength and power thank you Jesus oh glory to God you don't have to be up and down you don't have to be in and out. You got an anchor. Right. Oh, sure. You might have trials. You might have uh, persecutions and disappointments and heartaches, right. sickness and pain. Come on. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, oh, but there's an anchor there. Yeah. Right. We're going to have trials. We're going to have sickness. We're going to have pain. But is, is that going to discourage you from serving the Lord? Are you going to back up? Are you going to quit? Oh, I was fellowship with Brother Aaron about that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, my. You know, when you, when you find out the meaning behind the songs you're singing, oh, it can, it can well, a, a well spring up inside of you. Oh, it was about 150 years ago uh, after the Welsh revival had broken out. There were some American Baptist ministers. Uh, they wanted to spread the gospel. And so they went into the northeast part of India there. And they were going to, to spread the gospel into the tribes. And, uh, you know, those, the, the tribal Indians there, they were, they were primitive. And they were very territorial. And, and, and I believe it was the Assam tribes up there in that region that they wanted to come into. Well, I'm going to tell it and I don't know how. Uh, they would get up in that region there and, and these missionary Baptists wanted to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, a God of love, a God of forgiveness. And, and one of these uh, missionaries had success. He had found a family and this man, he, he was married and had two boys and he accepted Jesus Christ as a savior and he was living there in his tribe and, and all of a sudden, you know, he, the God was moving in his life and, and he started to have an effect on the other people in his community and actually other people started to receive the gospel. They started to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and it caused such a stir in the tribe, in the community there that the chief, he called him and said, hey, come here. And they had a town meeting. Right. They said, you're causing a lot of ruckus. You're causing a lot of nonsense. And he took this man. This is a true story. I'm told he took this man and his wife and his two kids and set them there before the city and said, you must renounce your faith in Jesus Christ. He said, or I will kill you. And his response, as the Holy Ghost moved upon him, he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. And there the chief had given the signal, and there the archers sent forth their bow, and it struck both of his sons there. And they fell over laying on their ground, and they were twitching there in front of them. And the chief looked at him, and he said, now... I'll give you another chance to renounce your faith and Jesus Christ or your wife is next. 
And the man standing there, he looked up and said, Though none go with me, still I will follow. And there the arrow struck his own wife, and she was laying there. And the chief looked at him and said, I'll give you one chance more to renounce your faith in this Jesus. And there, the man standing there in the face of death, he said, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Oh, and as the story goes, an arrow struck him. And he laid down there and he died with his family. You say, what's the point of, the, of this story, Brother Matthew? Well, there's several points we can gain from it. But that man's devotion to his faith there struck that Indian chief. He sat there and thought, how can a man allow his whole family to go by the way of the grave? He thought, this faith in Jesus Christ must be something real. And he sought after it. And he said, I too will be a follower of Jesus Christ. And the chief in the presence of the whole community fell down there and actually received the word in that hour. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I wonder if we in the face of death can say as this man. Maybe in the face of your friends. Maybe in the face of your colleagues. Maybe you're at work and, and people are, are, are saying things just to try to get at you. And they're, they're trying to, to see what you believe. And they're trying to pull it out at you. And maybe you're just being a little reluctantly. You're like, well, maybe if I tell them exactly what I believe, you know, I, I, they're not going to befriend me anymore. But I wonder if there's a life, if there's a spirit inside of you that could say like this man that can say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, the cross before me, the world behind me, there's no turning back. I want to tell you, I made a decision a long time ago. There's no turning back. I've done come too far. The devil's going to try to put you down. He's going to try to put out that spirit of revival that's living inside of you people. Oh, but you have made your decision. Why don't you just go ahead and tell the devil, there's no turning back. I've come too far. He's already done way too much for me. The cross before me, the world behind me. There's no turning back. Oh, get a good look at some people that are overcoming. And Lady Osea, in the face of their jobs, in the face of their friends, in the face of adversity, they're going to tell that old devil, I won't turn back. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking about the spirit of revival. I'm talking about the spirit of God, the fire of God. Shut up in your bones. Oh, glory. No turning back. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. This ain't no fairy tale. This ain't a fake gospel. My God is real. Oh, how do you know he's real? I feel him in my soul. Oh, glory to God. Ain't no turning back, church. I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, in the face of adversity, in the face of torment, in the face of being brokenhearted, I have decided 
You know, I, I was under a little juniper tree, if I could just be honest with you this week. And I was just thinking about how maybe the way things are and maybe how things could be different and just maybe things that have transpired over the last few years, you know, and I started feeling down and I started feeling a little discouraged, you know, and, and here, you know, God's puts a message on my heart, the spirit of revival. <laughs> well, all right. The spirit of revival. I was like, well, Lord, I need some reviving myself, Lord. I need something to raise up within me, Lord. I'm feeling a little down. And I just, I started thinking there in the word, you know, what did David do? David was discouraged one time. And I was looking at that, you know, David had a lot more to be discouraged about than I did. There he's coming back from the battle of Ziklag there. And he's coming back and, and no, no doubt as they're coming down the trail there, they can see the smoke and the fire coming up. And no doubt just their energy spent from being in battle. And here they come to where uh, their homes were and their families and their kids. And everything has been taken. Everything is gone. And his own men, those mighty men that fought with David, they were so grieved and so vexed that they were even starting to speak of stoning David. And here David, all of his friends, all of the ones he had fought in battle with, all the ones he had gone to church and had church service with, and they sat with him on the front row, and he was just wondering, how am I going to make it another day? The very ones that I preached the meetings with, they're talking about stoning me. They're trying to kill my character. They're trying to tell me I should have never led them to the battle. We should have never went this way. David, it's all your fault. That's the reason why we're in this mess. And there David, oh, he's discouraged. But oh, we can learn a great principle of this. David, the scripture says, encouraged himself in the Lord. David said, now where's that ephod at? Go ahead and bring me the ephod. I want to know what God says about it. Oh, I believe that ought to be the heart's cry of the believer. If you're discouraged or you're going through something, I want to tell you, you want to find out what does God say about it? What does God say about my condition? What does God say about it? You are not cast down. You are not defeated. What can separate you from the love of God? If God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, he said he will work all things out to the good, to those who love God and are called according to this purpose. Well, if I can encourage you with anything, I want to tell you good's coming. Oh, maybe you're in your darkest trial. You have a broken heart. You don't know how you're going to make it another day. Oh, but I want to be like David did. I want to look into the word of God. I want to say, what does God say about it? God says, good's coming. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I'll be with you. I'll even be with you until the end of the world. Good is coming. Oh, my God is good. He's real. And he has something special in store for you. Oh, you can encourage your heart. You can comfort your heart with these words to know that Jesus Christ has your best interest in mind. Jesus would say it like this in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, greater is he that is in you. Oh, let that sink down now. Greater is he that is in you. The scripture would say something like this. Don't go out there and look for the kingdom way off somewhere. Jesus said, don't go out there and look for the kingdom. Where is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is within you. 
Oh, you want to know why you can constantly live in revival? Oh, come on, church. You can live in revival every day because Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven, the word of God has made its abode right there in your heart. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, my. How can I overcome? God has called you to be an overcomer. And the scriptures would say like this in Matthew 3.11. He'd say, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Oh, look, I can baptize you. The brothers can baptize you. You can be baptized by good church services. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. He that cometh after me is mightier than I. We want to build on our experience, church. We want to build on the word of God that's being revealed in our lives and know that God has more force. Maybe you've come to a place of justification. Maybe you've come to a place of sanctification. But God is wanting to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He says, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Oh, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I was just dwelling on that. Oh, I just love the principle of fire. Brother Branham tells that story about the little turtle, right? He said he got a hold of that turtle and he wanted to make that turtle move. So what did he do? He started to to beat it with the willow stick. He started to to, to tell that little turtle, hey, this is how you ought to dress. You shouldn't cut your hair. You should wear long dresses. You shouldn't wear splits in them. You know, you should go to church on Sunday and Wednesday. Started to to give the message to it. Lay it over to that turtle over and over and over. And as, as long as he laid that out to that turtle, that turtle wouldn't even move. Well, maybe I'll take the the turtle on down to the water. I'll go ahead and baptize it in the water. I'll go take it down to some meetings. I'll go ahead and get it in an atmosphere. And I'll just see if I can get this turtle to move. And he went down there and he dunked the turtle in the water and pulled it out. But nothing would move that turtle. He just was sank back in that shell. Oh, but I like how he tells the story. You know, then I got the idea. I went to go ahead and build me a little fire under it. And when I built that little fire and I set that turtle on top of that fire, all of a sudden he began to move. Oh, you don't have to beg it to go to church. You ain't got to plead with it to go to church. You ain't got to tell it how to dress right. You ain't got to tell it how to act right. There's a fire that is shut up in your bones that's causing you to act right. It's causing you to talk right. It's causing you to refute the devil on any stance he'll take against you and tell him that this message is true. I'm not backing up. I'm not giving way. Oh, there's a fire in me. There's a spirit of revival. It wasn't given to me by my mama. It wasn't given to me by my daddy. It wasn't given to me by church. It wasn't given to me by some campground. Oh, many times when you think about a revival, maybe you start to think about the camp services. We've had some mighty camps. We've had some mighty special meetings. Power of God moved down amongst us. Oh, we witnessed the supernatural. But you know when when the lights are shut off and everybody's gone home, where's the spirit of revival then? Where is the fire of God then? It's a good question to ask. Where is the fire 
But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost in fire. Oh, the very life of God. Oh my, I'm thankful for the atmosphere that God creates when his people get together. Things can happen. People are wondering what has happened to these people. Well, why are the people acting different? what's, What's causing all this ruckus? Why are these young people giving their lives to God? Why are they renouncing all the things of the world? It's because they got fire in them. There's a spirit of revival that's broke out in them. There's something that's changed them. There's something that made, makes them different. I'm not talking about some strange fire like in Leviticus 10 where, where the, the priest offered some stri- strange fire before the Lord. The prophet of God said that's denominational fire. This ain't no denominational fire. This is the power of God to transform a life. This is that great S-O-N sunlight that would shine down upon a predestinated seed and bring all the potentials that was lying in the seed to the manifestation of what God called it to be. That's what we're seeing in this hour. We're ripening in the presence of the sun and we're seeing sons and daughters coming into their position, coming into the maturity and manifested the word that has been spoken by Malachi 4 or 5. That's what this is all about. This is the word taken on flesh. The prophet of God would say this. He would say, you call for revivals. You wait for your church to have a revival. Well, that ain't the revival for you. The revival ought to begin right in you. When you begin to thirst for God, there might not be another member of the church wanting the revival. It breaks out in you. And if it breaks out in you, he says, it'll break out in other places. Oh my, praise God. If it breaks out in you, it'll break out in other places. What does that mean? I'm not talking about an event. I'm not talking about a a church building. I'm not talking about a place where revival started, but I'm talking about a people. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them. Oh, I'm talking about the purchased, blood-bought, redeemed saints of Almighty God. Oh, you say, Brother Matthew, how dare you say the angel of the Lord is here? That was reversed, special for the prophet. No, I'm quoting the Bible. The Bible said, I want to ask you this morning, do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the word of the God? It says, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them. That means the angel of the Lord is here. Oh, come on, the prophet of God said, God still sends his men with the angel before them to prepare the way. Oh, you want to wonder why we have such a good time. You want to wonder why there's a revival. You want to wonder why? Why? Because the angel of the Lord is here. The angels are here and camping around about the saints of God. Oh, hallelujah. It ain't the church building that brought the angel. Come on now. It ain't the church building that brought the revival. It ain't the campground that brought the angel. It's God's people getting together and a divine promise from Almighty God that said where two or three are gathered, there I'll be in their midst. Oh, what do you expect?
expect to happen when they're in the presence of Almighty God? What do you expect to happen when the angel of the Lord comes? What do you expect to happen when Jesus Christ shows up on the scene and he means business? Oh, come on now. People will be in bondage. They'll be set free. People will be in bondage to pornography. They'll be set free. People will be sick. They will be delivered. Why? Because that's a divine promise from Almighty God. Oh, that's why. It's not because of what I've done. It's all because of what he's done. That's the reason for it. Oh, praise God. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Oh, in my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Oh, praise God. That's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What are you talking about, Brother Matthew? I'm saying the same angel, the same God who led the children of Israel by a pillar of fire and a cloud by day is here this morning. The same Jesus who was walking down the street one time and the crowd was all around him and people were throwing it upon him and touching him and all of a sudden Jesus stopped and says, Who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples are wondering, what, what do you mean, Lord, who touched you? There's people everywhere. He said, no, I perceive virtue has gone from me. And there was a lady who had had a blood issue, I believe, for 12 years that had reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And she was healed. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the same Jesus. The same Jesus Christ is here right now. So then what about your problem? What about your sickness? What about your trial? What about your discouragement? I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is passing by. Oh, if we could just have a faith in our heart now to take God at his word and say, oh my, maybe I've been in a lot of services before. Maybe I've been, but tonight, this morning's my time. This is my turn. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment because I've heard the word go forth and it says that the angel of the Lord is here, that he encampeth round about those that fear him and he delivereth them. That means my God is in the building. So whatever you have needed, I'm asking, I'm telling something, whatever you have needed this morning, why don't you just go ahead and claim it? Why don't you just go ahead and accept it? Why don't you just go ahead and reach out because Jesus Christ is passing by your way. Oh, the same God that parted the Red Sea. The same God that spoke to Elijah and said, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. Here a widow woman about to make two cakes and die. That story don't even make sense. What do you mean? You've commanded a woman to sustain my life who doesn't even know she's been commanded and doesn't even have the substance to sustain me. The same God that could command a widow woman who is about to eat two cakes and die to sustain a prophet is the same God I'm talking about. Where when the prophet come down there and said, oh, give me something to drink. And as she turned away, maybe she could have handled that. But go ahead and bring me a cake first. Oh, but what do you mean? See, she didn't even realize she was part of the predestinated plan of God. She didn't even realize that the word had already commanded her to sustain the prophet's message. Oh, come on now. You didn't even know that you were laying here, Lady Osea, 
There was a seed of God that he had planted, but God had commanded these stones. God had commanded these seeds. You didn't even know that you were called by God. You didn't even know that you were elected and you were chosen, but the word of God had prophesied. The word of God had been spoken, and the word went forth, and there is a bride to receive that word. And all of a sudden she said, all right, nonetheless, I will give it to you first. Oh, and that's what the bride of Jesus Christ is doing. Oh, though none go with me, still I will follow. I will give my whole heart to this message. I'll follow with everything that's within me. If my daddy falls away, so be it. If my mommy falls away, so be it. If my church falls away, I'm not giving up. I'm not backing up. I have decided to follow Jesus. I am going on with God. I'll keep believing him until the change of my body. And if I go into the grave, I'm coming out again because the spirit of revival is Shut up in my bones. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. It's not I that live it, but Christ liveth in me. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. If that same spirit, church, that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, It shall quicken your mortal body. It shall quicken your mortal body. That ain't just limited to the grave. But when you get that quickening power on you, oh my, something begins to happen. It begins to change the way that you act. It begins to change the way that you think. It becomes to change the way that you talk. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, I've been there. I've been there. Oh, the Spirit of God, if it dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal bodies. The prophet would say this out of perfect faith. He would say, and now we become anointed with that same Spirit. Anointed Messiahs. Messiahs of the last day to shine forth the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To show that he is not dead, but in the form of the Holy Ghost. He's in his people. Moving among his bride." with a love affair to her, pouring out into her himself. They are becoming one for the wedding supper. The same signs promised by the same God in the same word is making the same manifestations. Oh, praise God, church, you have been anointed. This is a reality. This ain't a hope so message. I'm not, I'm not wondering. Abraham wasn't wondering if he was going to have a promised son. He was expecting the promised son. The bride is not wondering. She's expecting. Why? Because she's been impregnated with the word. We have received the word in this hour. Oh, what did the prophet say? He said, here is the secret. Here is the secret. The word is in the bride. As it was in Mary. Well, you ever think about that? He's speaking to you. Here is the secret the word is in you as it was in Mary. That means that word that is in you is going to bring forth none other than Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, how did it get there? How did it get there? All I know is that when the angel came to Mary, And told her the message. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. Thou art 
highly favored among women. God has placed his word seed inside of, it, of you. You don't have to struggle with that, church. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder if you're in or out or is, that, is the message for me. God placed that word inside of you. Oh, he chose you before the foundation of the world. He elected you. He called you. He placed his word in there. And what he's wanting you to do is say, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Oh, maybe you say, Brother Matthew, you don't understand. I, I, you've, 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 come too, you've come too late. I've made too many mistakes. I've fallen. This spirit of revival you're talking about, I was living in revival. I had it in my life. And I see people rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. And, and I want to get back into the presence. I, I want to get, get my life right, but I, I've just missed my opportunity. You know, it kind of reminds me uh, of when I was a little boy, I was at some... Some camp services. It's a place down in Dry Creek, Louisiana. Maybe some of y'all have heard about it. They have some camp services down there. And, and I had an experience with the Lord. But I had come back from that. And though I had an experience and I, I, I had felt the presence and something had taken place, I knew it was real. But I came back and I didn't feed the fire. Right. I, I, didn't, I didn't feed the fire. And I found out after a little bit of while that, you know, that, that, that revival fire had went out. But I'm so thankful for that God never gave up on me. But God w- was waiting there until I would come to that time of a full surrender. And I want to just be a word of encouragement to you. God has not given up on you. Maybe you're sitting in this church service right now and you're feeling all alone. And you feel like you missed your chance and you missed your opportunity. But I'm giving you the word of the Lord to tell you that you haven't missed your chance. You haven't missed your opportunity. God has not given up on you. He's just wanting you to accept him. He's just wanting you to take him out of your word. He's oh, but what about all my faults, Brother Matthew? What about all my failures? What about all the things that I've done? What does the scripture say? Therefore is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, my Bible tells me sin will not have dominion over you. I want to encourage you. I don't care how far you've fallen. God said sin will not have dominion over you. That is the reason he died at Calvary. He paid the penalty for that sin so that you don't have to keep living in condemnation. Oh, it's not too late. This is the time. This is the hour that God is calling you. He's wanting to revive you. He's wanting that spirit of revival to come upon your life and put you in action. Oh, don't let the devil beat you up about your past. You're not alone. God's here for you. You say, oh, I bet I missed missed my chance. No. Look, I don't care where you're at in your walk. The word tells us that only the elect can be reborn. Right? The prophet of God says that in the church book. He says in non-seed there's nothing to be quickened. So I don't care where you're at. God placed that seed. Here is the secret. The word is in you as it was in Mary. There is something that God is wanting to quicken inside of you. If you can just forsake your faults. 
Forsake your failures. Forsake your own ideas. Forsake whatever it is that's holding you back. Why don't you just go ahead and get the victory this morning and say once and for all, I'm going to lay it all down, Lord Jesus. I know that I gave up on you, but you never gave up on me. And right now I'm going to turn my heart back to you, God, and say I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming with everything that's in me. Oh, just fill me with that Spirit of God. Set my heart on fire. Let the Spirit of God revival break out in me. Oh, and I know if it breaks out in me, it'll break out in other places. It'll break out in my family. It might break out in my job. It might break out in my school. But oh God, just set me on fire, Lord. Let me be living in the Spirit of God. Oh, constantly living in revival. Oh, it's for you, church. You can have it, the Scripture says, and be not drunk with wine wherein in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, I like how it runs off of that. It says, be not drunk with wine. Well, the next statement is saying we're in an access, but be filled with the Spirit. That means there's some stimulation of this revelation. Oh, you ever seen a drunk man? I was staying at a hotel not too long ago. I saw some guy walking through the parking lot. And my goodness gracious, he couldn't even walk a straight line. Boy, he couldn't even, he couldn't even make it there. He was trying Oh my, he, he, he was having a fit, but you want to know what? He was on his own little world. There had an, an intoxication had come over him. Something had grabbed a hold of his life. He wasn't even aware of his surroundings. Come on, there's a spirit of God that can strike you. It'll make you talk different. It'll make you act different. You won't even worry about the world around you. Something will just break out in you. You start walking different. You start acting different. You start talking different. Why? Because it's the spirit of God. You might start screaming. You might start shouting. You might start running. Oh, but you're not worried about it. Why? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is liberty in the house of God this morning. There is liberty. Why don't you praise him? Why don't you rejoice? Give a praise. Oh, hallelujah. Let the redeem of the Lord say so. Oh, it'll make you act different. It'll make you talk different. Oh, I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, praise his wonderful name. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Oh, the devil keeps trying to tell me I'm just trying to work up the people. You're just trying to work up the people. You're just trying to get them all excited. Oh my, you know, there's a spirit out there that wants to kill your influence. There's a spirit out there that wants to kill this revival. That's why the word of the Lord is coming to you and it's saying, don't let that spirit of revival die. Why? Because the devil hates it. Why? Because you're tormenting demons. You're shaking the walls of hell because he knows someday, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, there's going to be a people that are changed. You're going to put death under your feet. It'll be swallowed up in victory. Oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Hallelujah. Glory. Why don't you praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Oh, glory. You can't be shut up, church. You're going to be taken up. You can't be shut up. You're going up. Oh, praise the Lord. The prophet of God would say this. Hallelujah. He said it takes the Spirit of God to bring life. And that life must not come 
out of just the intellectual revival. Well, glory to God, Brother Aaron, you're telling me you can have an intellectual revival? I guess you can. The prophet just said it. He said, the life must not come out of just the intellectual revival. You know, there's a whole lot of kind of revivals out there. But the bride is interested in just one kind of revival. There's only one revival the bride is interested in. He said it got to come out of the Bible. Word revival. And that word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when it falls today, it quickens. You get the same results you did in Acts 2. Always has and always will be. Because it's the Spirit of God that conditions the atmosphere. Oh, glory to God. Oh, my, stick around a little bit. There's an atmosphere here. It takes the atmosphere to do things. That's the reason you men are always taught, bring your children here. Well, certainly that's right. I was glad to see my daughter Rebecca come in and sit down just a few minutes ago. Some of you seen me wink at a woman. It was my daughter. So she come in and sat down. Now listen, to this is the prophet. Listen to what he's saying here. He's saying, I want her to receive the baptism of the Spirit. And that's why she is here in the meeting. That's the purpose of it. It takes atmosphere. Well, people can go on and criticize. They can go ahead and call us fanatics. They can call us holy rollers. But my prophet told me that it takes atmosphere to bring forth a birth. And when you get God's people together... And they start singing the praises of Almighty God. And you know that by divine promise, the angel of God is in the building. Now, just for a little side note here. You know, the devil always wants to cause you to, to doubt the word of God. What do you mean, Brother Matthew, the angel of the Lord is in the building? You know, there's a bunch of y'all having church all over the world. How can the angel of the Lord be in every place at the same time? Well, I just got to thinking about it. Well, like, you know, devil... I mean, I see maybe your reasoning point, but I just thought, you know, I'm going to look up and see how fast light travels. And I looked it up and it said that in one second, light can travel around the world seven and a half times. In one second. And I thought, my, certainly the one who created light can travel a whole lot faster than light. So if it takes one second, come on now, if it takes one second... For light to travel around the world seven and a half times. Oh, God just needs a second. He just needs a millisecond. He'll flash this way and flash that way. He'll come right down to your aisle, right down your pew, and he'll touch you. And in a moment, you'll be changed. In a moment, you'll be different. Oh, all things will pass away. All things will become new. Why? Just one moment in his presence, everything will be different. That's the God I serve. Oh my, just a little bit of atmosphere. All things are possible. You realize right now where you're sitting, you're sitting in the presence, in an atmosphere where all things are possible. Well, as we opened up the service, the prophet is saying not just a revelation, but revelation after revelation. This is a word revival. Why don't we purpose in our heart, Lord Jesus, I know you're not done with me. 
I know you have more for me. Let's start being an expectation for the word to continue to unfold deeper and deeper, greater and greater. One baptism after another, many baptisms, many refillings, revelation after revelations. Paul said, I came not to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in power and demonstration. Right? That's what we're talking about. Power and demonstration of the word. Just moving towards a close here really quick. The word says in John 6, 63, it says, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Yeah, Brother Matthew, what are you talking about? What, what's moving this revival? It's not an intellectual revival. It's not an emotional revival. Oh, sure, if we just came to church and all we did was work up an atmosphere and, and all we did is get a bunch of people excited, then what, what, then what are we doing? Yeah, maybe we're just having an intellectual revival. Maybe we're just having a, a little bit of an emotional revival. But oh, there is a people who have given the word first place in their life. They have given the word preeminence and it is a word revival. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 27, it says, For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered. Oh, that's what we're gathered around. We're gathered around the revealed word of the hour. The prophet would say there in the first seal, he says, oh, there's coming a messenger. That's going to take all the loose ends. He's going to tie them all together. And what is it going to do? It's going to reveal the whole secret of God. And it's going to gather the bride together for the rapture. For rapturing faith. And then he comes there in the third seal. And he says, oh, the bride hasn't had no revival yet. Here, this is 1963. He's, he's preaching the third seal. He says, the bride hasn't had no revival yet. He says it's going to take those seven unknown thunders to wake her up. This is 1963. Oh, the bride hasn't had no revival yet. It's going to take those seven unknown thunders to wake her up. And then he comes in in 1964 preaching, recognizing your day and its message. And he says, oh, the church scene, the church world, they're out there praying, fast and pray, fast and pray for some great awakening. But what does the prophet say? He says, they have missed it. They have not recognized the awakening of the bride. They have not recognized the awakening of the bride. Oh, they didn't recognize the opening of the word. That's what this revival is about. This revival is about the word that has been opened up to us in this day. The third pool, the revealing of those seven seals that had your name on the book. And it's called your name. That's what this revival is about. This is the bride's revival. This ain't about a going back to another age. This is about going into a rapture. This is about going into a body change. This is about recognizing who you are and your position in the revealed word of the hour. Oh, that'll cause a revival. Oh, hallelujah. We got to dig down into that word. Feed on it. The prophet said, if you want deity in your midst, welcome and receive the word. Oh, how many years say, Lord, I want to welcome and receive the word. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll just come to a close if the musicians would come. Oh, praise the Lord.
The prophet would say this. He says, in recognizing your day and its message, he says, the world forces this way. And the world forces that way, but God forces upward. The Spirit of God, which is the Word of God, my Word is Spirit and life, will put the bride in her place. Because she'll recognize her position in the Word, then she's in Christ, will put her in her place. No national force will do it. But national force did drive Israel to her homeland. The national force of council of churches will drive every organization into it. But the power of God will raise the bride into glory and out of it. Oh, aren't you thankful for that? I'm not looking for no natural, uh, national force to put me in place. I'm not looking for some pandemic to put me in my place. I'm not looking for some government to hunt me down in my neighborhood. And all of a sudden I'm going to start crying out to God and think, oh my, I better get ready. I better get in my place. But no, the prophet of God is saying no national force will do it. But the power of God is what puts you in the bride. That's what the spirit of revival is. It is the very power of God. It's the very spirit of God that has come down to apprehend vessels and reveal himself to you. Oh, have a revival break out in you. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. The prophet would say this in the Smyrna church age. He'd say, as the eternal Logos God was manifested in the Son. And in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that eternal one was the Father manifested in the flesh. And thereby gained the title of son. Even so we, follow this now. Even so we, eternal in his thoughts, in our turn, became the many-membered spoken word seed. Manifest in flesh. And those eternal thoughts now manifest in flesh are the sons of God. Even as we are so called. He said in our turn. God's word in our turn becomes flesh. So when we look into the Bible, Abraham had his turn. David had his turn. (laughs) All the disciples had their turn. Martin Luther had his turn. Wesley had his turn. Brother Branham had his turn. But in our turn. Oh, somebody ought to say, it's my turn. But in our turn, we become the manifested word of God in our turn. All the prophets had their turn. The patriarchs had their turn. The disciples had their turn. But in our turn, this is your turn, church. Oh, I, I heard it said that every age has a chance at a revival. Every age has its turn. Oh, what are you seeing? What are you talking about, man? I'm talking about a people that are recognizing it's your turn. Hallelujah, it's your turn, church. Oh, it's your turn to allow this word, this spirit of revival, to move you, to change you, for you to become the very word made flesh. Oh, what is this all about? This is a word revival. You know, I I hear the prophet tell a story. Let's all stand. There was a Welsh revival that broke out. And you know, it caused quite a scene. There was 
such a moving of the power of God and people's lives being changed that there were some religious men who wanted to go see what it was all about. So they went up there and with their religious clothes on and they got over there and the whales and they're like, you know what? Let's go find this Welsh revival. And they saw this little police officer over there just whistling and twirling his baton. And they came over there and said, my good man, where is the Welsh revival? And he looked back at the men and he said, you're looking at it. What do you mean you're looking at it? Why? Because the Welsh revival's in me. He said, you're standing in the midst of it. Oh, people are wondering, where is the bride's revival? Where is the bride's revival? People are wondering, where is this great awakening? Where is the bride's revival? I want to tell you, you're standing right in the midst of the bride's revival. This is your turn to be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is your turn to be delivered. This is your turn to rejoice. This is your turn to shine. Oh, why don't you just give God praise? Why don't you just rejoice and thank God that this is your turn. This is the prize revival. Oh, you're standing in the midst of it. Oh, praise His name. Let's sing something. Glory. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
take up my cross and follow Jesus.
say, though none go with me, still I will follow him. The cross before me and the world behind me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We enjoyed the word of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And while I was praying, somebody touched me. earlier that the Lord would be with them. Amen. Remember the service on Wednesday night. Come expecting 
Amen. Personal revival in your life. Amen. Amen. As we go, let's sing that song. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace that you've given us. Amen. Though we could never repay. Goodness, QG. Amen. We just want to say thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you.